0: Hello, hello, my beautiful friends! It's Isabella the of Akira, the World Messenger, and I'm inviting you to another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. Today, we have a special guest joining me. Um, from L.A. that is a great friend and colleague, someone that I have tremendous respect for, and he used to do some interesting stuff. His background is, needless to say, adventure, but through the amazing leadership lens. He's a two-time global trainer, he used to do amazing work for Dell Carnegie programs, and he knows them better than anybody else, and guess what? He's the king of those sub-skills, a.k.a. essential skills. On top of it, he can connect like nobody's business with the youth and impact the youth, specifically times when we're not sure what the heck is going on in the world and our own backyard, right? With a plethora of problems and issues and also someone who has been executive coach, who's helping train and coach other people, who has been trainer of the year nine times, ran so many boards of, of directors um, and nonprofits, but also was a chief of staff at LA Chamber, and very much so astute and know what's going on, one of the world's largest chambers. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my friend, Brian Berry. Hey, Brian, how are you?
1: Well, fantastic, and thank you for that gracious introduction.
0: You're welcome. I know it's so much more to you. And I want to listeners to stick with us because guys, you can't miss this out. This is going to be really firecracking uh, event and opportunity because guess what? No fluff. We go right at it where it's actually most needed because right now we're seeing something. And obviously with the reason your company is called White House Leadership Group. Somebody needs to let up somehow light here. And we are sitting in the dark, aren't we?
1: Well, that's that's a good observation, and that you know that name came about as uh, we were starting to emerge from the pandemic. And I've always had B squared Consulting. I thought, okay, we could do a little better than that. So all the individuals and organizations out there that just got drilled from the pandemic needed a safe harbor to reimagine their strategic plans and because what was going on 2020 and 2019 isn't applicable anymore and uh, flip that around there's just as many organizations that are doing real well from the pandemic so now what do they do how do they scale how do they grow how do they keep from slipping back so they need a safe harbor as well plus I'm a lighthouse geek so I thought what a perfect time to shift the name and provide that uh, that light and we can sit down and uh, really be thinking about what do we do now and uh, that's that's been the fun part
0: I love it. And I love how you pivoted and adjusted your game, Brian, because as you said, no matter how great you're doing, uh, you need a strategic right partners and you need to be preserving that and you need to know what are you doing? That isn't making any great. So you don't disrupt and disturb that, right? But then still continue to innovate and change and transform because every month, every day actually, is just bringing completely something different and how business or service or products fit with tour of these changes. Otherwise, as we know, unless we really pay attention and know what we need to fix or tweak, we're going to get very quickly obsolete, and we cannot afford that. And I'm sure also your exposure with LA Chamber and Opportunity, where you were there, uh, just a few months shy from two years, gave you completely different insights. So do you mind sharing also what it was business like Right of cars before pandemic happened, and then when pandemic occurred, uh, what did you observe? What happened?
1: Well, it, that's a, that's an astute question because the uh, uh, the businesses pretty much from Santa Barbara County down to the border was our regional. So we're a regional chamber, and seventy percent of the businesses are small businesses. What I didn't know until I joined the chamber, that 90% of that 70% are 20 employees or less. So working with that small, and we all started out as small businesses, every organization. And uh, you know they were a big part of our, our membership and we were advocates for small businesses because that's, that's really the thriving economy. Then when COVID hit, you know, we were 24-7 trying to help out these small businesses that had two mortgages on the come line just to stay afloat. We helped them navigate, you know, the PPP and everything kept shifting. I also became the COVID safety officer for the chamber. So all of a sudden I'm dealing with global, federal, state, county, and city COVID information and trying to distill all that to provide, you know, information for, you know, the businesses. So before the pandemic, things were going very, very well in terms of our outreach with the different organizations that are out there. Wow. When pandemic hit, we were the conveners and working with all the different organizations that were out there. And uh, that was an interesting interesting period and uh, uh, it was hairy you know it still is so I think, I think last count there were 20,000 businesses that are gone as the result of wow. the shutdown in California gone and that's a big impact on the economy
0: that is scary we're just talking about one state. Yes, given that is one of the highest tourist destination and what's the population and size of California and how much migration happened, how many people left, how many people now try to come back, how many jobs are now gonna be recreated again, how right. much all the virtualization and working from home now it's allowed in different geographic um, regions to be but still working in supporting community, it's a huge, huge magnitude and a ripple effect. So I want to really, for all the listeners watching and listening to really grasp that. So imagine multiplying that what was happening with every state and every major city across the nation. And then you can then just imagine what that truly accumulates for the US and mm-hmm. then the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you brought that up because you know every country globally, pretty much wants to do business in some fashion in Los Angeles, and then flip that around. Every organization in Los Angeles needs to do work globally. So you, you saw the impact we had with the log jam uh, with our ports, both of Long Beach and LA. I mean, we had 90 freighters uh, stuck offshore that couldn't unload their supplies and think about how that impacted uh, you know, the economy, not only locally, but but everywhere from a distribution standpoint. So once that uh, uh, cleared up a little bit, things started to get moving a little bit, but the repercussions are still being felt.
0: And this is so very true because we're dealing right now with supply chain disruptions Some products cannot come or go, uh, but also, Covid and everything else thought us brutally how some compa- companies took advantage of right of uh, getting protection gear right. uh, margins to profit when they were just looking around the bottom one and how they can make money versus how they really also doing impact and doing something greater good for the others and what i love about you brian you're also staying very true to your colors to yourself as a leader Uh, Because you have something in common here with me in the state of Colorado, which we'll get into it in a second. But you always continue to support nonprofits and see where the most pain is, where direct need is constant and it just amplified during the events like this. So do you mind sharing a little bit from that leadership lens?
1: Yeah, thank you for that. And when I work with individuals in their career, Uh, advancement, whether it's a brand new student at a college or mid-level exec or somebody going for a a board position, Uh, they ask, you know, what can I do to ignite my career? Mm -hmm. And one solution has proven super beneficial in all the years I've been doing this. And I advise individuals to Find a nonprofit that they're very, very, very passionate about at this point in their life, whether it's Center for Abused Women, Cancer, Pets, Homeless, at this point in your life, because we all have different evolutions, right? So find a nonprofit that we're really passionate about. And Isabella, don't just volunteer. Yeah. I consider that human being one-on-one. We ought to be doing that anyway serving a leadership role in that organization. And there are several, be- even if it's the chair of the envelope licking committee, serve in a leadership role and there's several benefits. The first benefit is you will align yourself with like-minded value-based leaders out there. Mm-hmm. God, there are worse people to hang out with. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, second thing, You'll be able to hone your problem analysis, decision-making, communication, uh, collaboration, all that stuff where you may not necessarily be able to do that in your current role. So that's a good thing, honing those skills. Third thing, you'll be on a first name basis with probable SVPs, CEOs, And that level of exec that are also on the board. You remember that old phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Those days are gone now, Isabella. Now the stakes are much higher. Now it's who knows what you know. So the ability to demonstrate your skills and your, your, your attributes at that level, good things are gonna happen. So that's the third thing. Fourth thing. Looks good on your resume. So when I interview, again, a brand new student, mid-level exec, or C-level exec, one of the questions I'll ask is, please describe what leadership role you serve in your community. And I'll either get a blank face <laughs> or an answer. Now I've, had, now I've got two distinct rows to select from. Call it a character attribute. Okay, so that's the fourth thing. The fifth thing, it's good for the karma credit card, which comes with with a very detailed invoice. And, uh, you know, Lighthouse Leadership, my motto is an old Belgian proverb that says, don't expect your ship to come in unless you've sent one out. So that's the fifth thing. But the last thing, biggest benefit, you're going to make some very... Very special friends. And we can all use good friends. So, finding a nonprofit and serving in a leadership role does many, many things. You could bring your skill set to that organization and help drive that passion that you have. Very gratifying. But you never know what opportunities will arise from operating performing and leading with that group of like-minded value-based people so I've always had some type of non-profit that I work with because I I just feel it's the right thing to do and uh, and to help out wherever I can and also too you know I just find people that are way smarter than me that are involved with these groups and that just (laughs) You know and that's not hard to find they're all smarter than me so but, but i get to work with them and uh it's just been an enriching part of my career and it just keeps going and going
0: i love what you're and how much you reflected on, on on meaning and leadership and how that looks like actionably and thank you for sharing those points but also for everybody that is watching and listening and of course don't let brian to get you tell you otherwise he's beyond being super smart and capable true leader colors really show when you create a room for others to shine. Not to dominate, not to over-insert yourself, but give a chance of competent people to really exercise what they're passionate about and capable of doing. And you can get in doing that. What I also love about Brian and what I want you guys to hear in this show today specifically is he's a huge, huge supporter of women leaders. And that is also very rare, specifically in current times and current climates, because we hear so much how many women around the world forfeited their careers to stay at home, help kids with homeworks, be the housewives, and then, you know, juggle all of those things during really, really challenging times. Some of them also continue their careers, given with what they have to face and how was in many cases, quote unquote, mission impossible. So and for everybody watching and listening, do you mind addressing why we're still seeing some of these disparities in diversity, equity, and inclusion? Mm. And, and what would you advise them for someone who has been sitting on top with top 10 fortune companies in the world, all the way for those new small businesses you mentioned with less than 20 people?
1: Well, sure. You know, when we hear the term diversity, equity, inclusion. I always challenge whoever says that and it's okay to be included. I take it up several notches and the the stronger, more powerful term that I've heard and I live by is diversity, equity, and belonging. So you can be included, but do you really, really belong and feel that, uh, that gratitude for your expertise? So when I work with women execs that are working their way up and gunning for the next level position, even board roles, which I get to do quite a bit. Yes. I don't even think about them as from a a sex standpoint, male or female. I go right into their strengths and help them communicate that as if it were a non-issue. And it can be an issue if we make it an issue. But yes. It's real important for women execs to, you brought it up a little bit earlier in the conversation, being true to ourselves. Yes. Find those cultures that align with your values. Here's an example. When I got tricked into, I mean, talked, I mean, invited to be the president of the National Human Resources Association. It's largely a women's organization. And I didn't even think about them being a, a, you know, body of of women. I just refer to them as super brilliant executives. So there are five generations that are out there in the workforce. We have traditionalists and that's kind of 70 and older, male and female, and they're out there. Uh, Baby boomers like me. We're the knuckleheads that think we could do it well. We usually goof it up, but we've got the best soundtrack that's out there. Then you have the X and Y generation. Those are the least number of bodies globally. It's causing a real gap because they're the ones that are supposed to be making VP, SVP, C level. Just not enough of them, Isabella. The next level are millennials who have been bashed quite a bit. You think the millennium, that was. 22 years ago? That's almost a fifth of a century ago. They're the old timers. The latest generation are the media generation, misnamed Gen Z, which I think is insulting because there's nothing after Z, which means we're hosed. But the media generation has never not operated without one of these. They think the millennials are now. And the point I'm making is we were able to go to many workshops on dealing with multi-generational, multicultural, uh, diverse workshops. Every time we walk out of there is we would have headaches and we'd be sweating because there were no real answers. Until this one time, this friend of mine, uh, she was in, in charge of the meeting. We had 300 thought leaders in the room. These are all Cornell, Wharton, I mean, big, big hitters. And she asked the audience, this is real important for the the topic we're on. She goes, how many are familiar with the top 50 best places to work awards? Uh, Everybody's hands went up and you got Forbes and U.S. News, right? Bunches of them out there. All the hands went up. She goes, imagine working for a company where the first 90 days of probation are really intense and really in your face and super competitive. And I'm a big audience watcher. And a third of the audience, it was, you know, male and female, third of the audience just went, yeah, it doesn't sound too fun. Another third went, yeah, whatever. Another third went, yeah, Nike. I thought that was really interesting. And then she said, imagine working for a company where the first 90 days of probation are all crossed functional train. You're going to learn operations, finance, and engineering, and uh, all that. When we hire you, because we will hire you, you'll have a mentor that will be with you, hold your hand, and support you. Same reactions, Isabella, and they all switch. Equally. I went, wow. She goes, now imagine working for a company with the first 90 days of probation, whether or not you're hired, is not a choice of management. It's a decision of your team. Same reactions, we all shifted. And then she went up on the screen, each one of those three distinctly different cultures where companies voted by their employees in the top 50 best places to work awards completely different cultures. She took it a step further. She goes, "Each the reason they were able to do this is they all had a company signature or corporate signature. You'll hear that term quite a bit now, particularly during the pandemic and as we emerge. Corporate signature, meaning they all knew what their culture was and they didn't divert from it interesting more each one of them had a less than three percent attrition rate which means they attracted the best talent and nobody left each one of them had a balanced representation of male and female at all levels each one of them had a representation of all five generations mm-hmm. all right because they had a signature meaning If you are a male or a female and you want an intense, competitive, in-your-face environment, come work for door number one. But if you can't stomach that, don't apply. Yes. You need a nurturing environment. Find it. They're out there. If you're a solo practitioner, like working on your own, don't bother going to door number three. But if you like working in teams, this is perfect. So with women, the key is not getting into the wrong company. So being true to yourself, which is what you led with, is the key for a woman. Take gender right out of it and get right in and show your value with evidence to back it up. All right. And when women feel that, the pressure goes away, their face and their eyes relax, their confidence ometer goes up, and they go in and they deliver. They deliver. The last thing we want is an entitlement. Well, you've got to hire a woman to get in there. Then all of a sudden they're in over their head, or it's not the culture, and then it's a disaster. You flip that around and you align the values and the culture. Now you go in, you make things happen. Great example of this, Maria Salinas was the first woman CEO in the 133 year history of the LA Chamber. And it wasn't a woman thing, she just had her, she just had her act together. You know, it became a non-issue, she just went in there and knew exactly what to do and she proved it. You know, was it hard getting to that level? Absolutely, she's got a great story, right? But she had the chops demonstrated with all the committees, all the nonprofits that she worked with. Word was out. Growing up in Detroit, we used to call that street cred. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's that's the real ticket here. So uh, with women out there, let's let's go back in history. When I was the director of sports medicine at San Diego State, I was kind of the first to put women certified athletic trainers on the football field for men's sports i didn't do it because it was some noble thing to do i did it because they were smarter than me and i needed the brightest people with me on the team but all of a sudden it became this diverse leader thing i just no 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 you gotta go after their skill sets all right and have them perform and then good things will happen because when they have the chops when they have the right attitude they have the skill set gender becomes a non issue you know and i've seen that over and over and over again do we have work to do absolutely so that's why i caution going after you know what gender are you where do you identify that you got to be careful with that because you may start to get into segregation there and that's not what we need to be we need to be based off of performance off of merit off of values, they're out there. There's something out there for everybody. You just got to make sure you avoid getting into a jail term job that's going to stink. Make sure your <laughs> values are true to yourself. Is any job perfect? Heck no! Heck no! But when we identify our values and we match it up, we can get that into the 90th percentile, all right? So, that's my tip for you know. Women advancing, they've got many success stories.
0: I know you do, and and again, being such a great supporter and cheerleader, and opening doors, and networking, and supporting, and 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 helping that growth to really expand exponentially. It, I just wanted everybody to hear how it's done that is not only, as you said, uh, the, just the number another statistic, but it's truly proper integration. And it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. But you also mentioned a little bit about sports medicine and, and, and do you mind sharing a little bit about your story and experience? Because I actually, you did some amazing work here in the state of Colorado, where I'm at. Uh, earlier in your career, and then something absolutely outstanding with Dale Carnegie. So do you mind walking us a little bit to that? How has also sports analogy and your work in sports arena translated so effectively in the business?
1: Well, sure, yeah. I was um, actually an athletic trainer at 14 because I didn't reach five foot until the ninth grade. I was fast, but I got knocked around a lot. So I figured, okay, I'd like to be on the other end of the pen light. And uh, so I was fortunate to, uh, you know, have an orthopedic surgeon at the high school level that taught me how to be an athletic trainer. So I did that all through college and ran track. And I knew that was my career. I love science, I love sports, greatest hits position. So my first job out of grad school was at University of Colorado in Boulder. And uh, that's, uh, you know, still have such dear friends there and uh, then I became the head athletic trainer at San Diego State University big part of that Isabella was I I had a vast undergraduate graduate and physician fellowship and that's where I really started to love and appreciate career management and they were all my babies I want to make sure they all have good, cool jobs out there. Really a good, diverse experience. And that's why I have to be very diplomatic when somebody asks, all right, Brian, who are you going to cheer for this Saturday or Sunday, college or pro? So I usually say, whoever leaves the tickets at will call. because so I've got students now In fact, Keith Duggar is the head athletic trainer for your Colorado Rockies. And uh, he's, he's. Probably the third eldest in the major leagues now. You know, she's so kind of the dean. So they're out there. And uh, so, but I knew there was more. I didn't know quite what. And uh, so while at San Diego State, I helped develop uh, you know, several products and knee braces. And I was plucked out of the comfort zone of the state university system, which nobody dared leave. <laughs> there was more out there and again i had no idea what it was so all of a sudden i'm in this giant corporate environment i had no clue what i was doing and i came up with an idea and I was, um, my ceo challenged me he says okay b square is from great britain he Had a full beard very proper very regal he said okay b square we love your idea you're going to present it to the global conference in three weeks Isabella, <laughs> Isabella I think I blacked out at <laughs> that point I thought I was pretty good on my feet and uh, <laughs> and as a leader he recognized that and he pulled me aside and he goes relax maybe I'm gonna send you this course this weekend it was the three-day Dale Carnegie strategic presentations workshop so I show up and I'm in there with all these CEOs and You know, there I am. And that course changed my life. All right. So we did the talk and then we're all celebrating on the balcony and my CEO is there. And then the president, they go, hey, Brian, you really did a great job on that. We're very proud of you. I said, well, thank you. I said, and thank you for sending me that course. Because I couldn't have done it without it. It was really funny because they both look at each other and they go, we know. And uh, they said, we got a problem. They said, uh, we're a knee brace company. I said, yeah. He said, your idea is not a knee brace, Brian. Oh, boy. Probably should have thought that one through a little better. They said, but we like it. (laughs) Why don't you start your own company? Just as long as we can help out. Use our engineers. So that old phrase, when we plan, God laughs. So I went out and found three physician buddies of mine, and then the other partner was my Dale Carnegie coach. Figure who better, right? So working together, we started that company, got that up and running. And then I became certified as a Dale Carnegie coach, because all the coaches globally are business professionals, just like you and I, I can bring a relevance. So that's how that grew. And then I became full time and you know, ran Los Angeles and Ventura County, got to work on a global basis. and Again, meet people way, way, way more talented and smarter than me. And, you know, we just, you know, kind of raise the bars. That's where we are now. So, you know, thinking about the medical aspect of it, that's working on performance and rehab. Well, that's the same thing I'm doing with business. You know, helping yes. people rehab from their tough times and helping them perform at their highest potential and untapping that potential. That's the fun part. So I get asked a lot, you know, God, right? You know, careers change a whole lot. And remind people, you know, careers usually don't change a whole lot. We tend to figure out how to get paid for doing what we love. Our job titles will change. Yes. Our career path and our passion usually stays congruent, mm-hmm. I've found. Found that with others. So that leads here. We are today getting to work with cool people like you.
0: That's awesome. I love that story. And then again, when you take a risk, when you step up, when you are not afraid to face your fears and demons or anything that might be holding you back and magic happens. Imagine Mm -hmm. if you didn't do that, if you never find the courage to go to that training and then decline to go to speak at that event, uh, how many things will turn so differently, right? Right. It's
1: exactly that.
0: And if, when you mention Dale Carnegie, obviously, because we're dealing with a lot of entrepreneurs or people even in a, now in large corporations, I see more and more than ever in job descriptions, entrepreneurial mindset, entrepreneurial spirit, uh, because we realize and we have to treat every business as it's our own and bring out the best game. So not to uh, embarrass the owners or, or team members, but also to treat it with the highest standard. Right. So what was one of your favorite stories through Dale Carnegie lens on leadership that really you can say, oh, my God, guys, if you don't know this, it's 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 going to stumble, you will stumble as a leader. What would we just say some of those great highlights from that era that you are applying to today?
1: Big lesson, particularly for entrepreneurs or startups, is the first thing you're going to do is go out and get investments from your family and friends. And all of a sudden, they are on your payroll. All right? and you're stuck with them. So my recommendation is don't do that, all right? Because if you bring in your cousins, your friends, those relationships will sour. In fact, Benjamin Franklin once said it well. He said, if you have a family business and want to cut its profits in half, give it to your children. And
0: uh, the point is
1: define the performance first okay, of what that role looks like performing well, then the performers will reveal themselves. It may or may not be your friend, okay? But make sure that role delineation is crystal clear. That's not just in entrepreneurs. That's in nonprofits. That's in Fortune Ones. And that's probably the biggest gap that most organizations have I get asked this all the time, you know, tech, biotech, entertainment, defense, retail, hospitality, food, healthcare, garage band, startups to fortune one. I get asked all the time, you know, what is the most common problem you see in organizations? So it was real clear. It boils down to two things, attitude and communication. They go, really? So yeah, you know, process improvement is easy to fix. That's a blast when attitude and communication are in alignment, when attitude and communication are out of whack, process improvement is damn near impossible. And it starts with the boss. There's an old Asian proverb that a fish leads, and a fish dies by the head. It's always the boss. Peter F. Drucker, the founder of all organizational design, had a great quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So when I go into an organization, I'm doing an analysis, a needs analysis. The owner, the CEO, the president will say, oh, Brian, you know, we have problems with our sales team and operations and engineering. Would you take good care of them? And they start to get up and walk away. And I just, you know, hey, this is about you.
0: <laughs>
1: <Synodels>.
0: Come back.
1: <laughs> Come on back. So <laughs> a big part of that is building their, building their trust in me. And I'll ask and that's where a lot of the medical background comes in because I'll ask the right questions and hear it from them. Lo and behold, when we ask the right questions, they will describe precisely what's wrong. Yes. And it usually boils down to two areas. It's either a people problem or a process problem. Yeah. It it's either one of those. That's easy to decode. That's easy to decode. So once we identify the pathology, you know, the solution usually reveals itself, and we start there. And then we create some victories. And you know, and you've been around. You know, every rock you flip over, something else crawls out. So yeah. it's just, You know, so then we just, you know, hit it. And, uh, you know, another thing too is having from a leadership standpoint, a very, very, very well-defined vision (coughs) and values. and That's not a corny thing. The vision is that Monet, Rembrandt, Van Gogh painting of what it looks like performed well. That will shift in three to six months. So you want to make sure that's a live painting just like the masters, like Van Gogh and Monet with daffodils and a waterfall at a certain point, that's just like in business that should be a dynamic art piece the mission is how we do it okay the mechanics, the deliveries the systems, the processes that needs to be clear but even more important, the values how we're going to roll it goes back to what we we're talking about with women leaders. You got to make sure those, that valueometer is absolutely aligned. Yeah. If you have certain values and get into one that isn't there, it's going to be a jail term job that stinks, right? So that performance element, what performances need to be performed well in order for us to achieve that vision? And it's a binary question, seeking a binary answer. Is what we're doing going to get us to that vision? Yes or no? It's a no, don't do it. It's a big old yes. We can feel really good and confident about it. So when I go into an organization, I make sure those elements are there. And leaders lead nothing to chance. You know, leaders lead people, managers lead processes. They're two very reverent bodies of work nice wine pairings but they're two definite bodies of work leaders lead people managers lead processes with leaders people support a world they help create managers managers lead processes that make them look good (laughs) let them do it right yeah so i think the the years one of the one silver lining about covid is bad, I shouldn't say bad leaders, bad people in leadership positions are getting called out.
0: Yes, definitely. Specifically as we have social media, as we have Glassdoor reviews and other platforms where current and former employees can really openly share how much they endorse not only the CEO, but upper echelon of leadership. Is it even existing, existed? Yeah. Uh, and if it's not, why not? And 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 I love how you also distinctly uh, separated what means being a manager and what it means to be a leader. We need both, right? But more than anything, we actually need a solid, strong, trustworthy, transparent leadership. And because lacking that, that creates more confusion, more pain. And as a result, we're seeing such an awful symptoms, which I also wanted to share If you don't mind sharing with these great exodus of people resigning without even having alternative jobs, but just saying, I can't handle this anymore. It's too painful. It's too stressful. It's too disrespectful. Uh, This keeps me up at night. I'm burned out. I am... All of those things. And then before you know it, what we're having right now, huge gaps, right? I was just joking with someone. I was like, organizational chart, it looks like a switch to with the huge holes, bigger than the Grand Canyon, actually, because it's just so hard to really kind of patch that over. It's not anymore just a little pothole.
1: Yeah, you're right. And it's amplified because of COVID. And, uh, you know, there's an old phrase, you know, people don't leave organizations. Typically, they leave bosses. Yes. And sometimes they quit, but they haven't left. Mm, That is
0: such a huge distinction.
1: Yeah. And what they're doing is just sucking off the company and they're not performing. And uh, so that's a leadership aspect, too. See, you know, good leaders always have a pulse rate on their employees, should an employee at this point in their life want to leave on a good note a good leader supports them
0: yes yeah. and one thing they i want to if you don't mind highlighting also because you obviously have a subject matter expertise and organizational dynamics and dynamics not only you thought that at the california military university but obviously from bell carnegie and tying all this together what leadership dynamics we have to really create Or recreate in order to thrive?
1: Three key things. Trust, respect, and credibility. Those are the three pillars for leadership. I don't trust you because I don't respect you. You have no credibility because I don't trust you. Any one of those waffles, it won't happen. Now, flip that around in a leader. They don't even have to be perfect, just got to be sincere to make sure trust, respect, and credibility is there. So, you hear the term employee engagement, right? You hear, you know, there's a gajillion assessments out there, and they're all good. You know, as long as you do something with them. But the three elements we look for for employee engagement are these. All right, the first one, and listen to how it's phrased. First one is satisfaction with immediate supervisor. I mean, we're not talking love. We're talking just satisfaction with the immediate supervisor. That's got to be there. Second is belief in senior leadership. Because if you, you think they're whacked, all right, what are they smoking? They ain't going to work. Third one is pride in the organization. That's not corny you got to believe in its mission, vision, and values. So we look at those three elements real clear. And if they're not 100% popping, you've got an engagement problem, right? So we look at those three lenses. And then we can determine real quick. And again, it starts with the CEO. It starts with the CEO. And that's when we go back to those top fifty best places to work awards. There's no confusion. Quintillion once said, "You know, I'm not interested in communication that's understood." Everyone went, "What?" He said it again. "I'm not interested in communication that's understood." He says, "I am interested in communication that's never misunderstood."
0: Mm. So you brought that
1: up earlier. That that congruence with that messaging, that communication. Even if we don't know, we have to communicate that we don't know. When we do know, we'll let you know. So that trust, credibility, respect, communication, all oh, has got to be there.
0: Yes, you know?
1: yes. That's, that's good, good leaders. Good leaders operate like that. There's plenty of them out there.
0: I love that highlight because we are tends to look for more complex solution or pie in the sky or two or some other uh, whatever it's um, quick fix but in reality boils back back to those soft, as I call it most essential skills uh, that really are the foundation and the yeah. team the needle in the right direction if we keep continuing skipping them if we don't continue developing those skills if we continue to undermine and think that other approaches are better they will never be able to sustain because they're not built on the right foundation and that's why so many of my colleagues and friends that you listen and watch and you're having frustration in your work environment that's why you are sometimes feeling like you're spinning, spinning the wheels actually and, and you're just sure. feeling like exhausted and tired and not seen light and end of the tunnel with that in mind uh, brian i mean your share has been exceptional today with legacy leader show could you tell us what's in the bucket list what are you currently doing and where are you headed next
1: <laughs> bucket list is um to uh really align with one team because lately my career has always been working with different organizations, I'm at the point now where I'd really like to be with one, one solid team that I can call home. So I think that's on my bucket list.
0: Beautiful.
1: And really do that, and uh, uh, get back out traveling because I miss hitting the road, and I'm naturally curious from that standpoint. Get back out and do some traveling again, and then uh, mm. watching my three boys. Uh, thrive, and they're all taller, smarter, and a whole hell of a lot funnier than me, and uh, <laughs> good guy, so watching them, uh, you know, get into their careers and, and blossom, and so far, so good.
0: That's fantastic, and I also want to quickly share one less fact known about you. Um, you're also a magician, and you I, perform in one of the rarest venues in LA, Magic Castle. Mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that magic the
1: well, magic castle is the the home of the academy of magical arts so it's literally and figuratively the most exclusive private club in the world because you can only get in as a guest of a magician member so uh Magicians from all over the world that are part of the Academy of Magical Arts—thousands of them—get uh, scheduled throughout the the whole week, and they, it's kind of their Olympics. They come in, they perform every evening, and uh, uh, it's it's pretty neat. But for magician members, that's our clubhouse, so we can perform anywhere in the castle where there's a green table, and we can do impromptu magic. And, ignite a crowd there and uh, but it's a true academy so it's about the promotion of the art and the wonder of magic so it's pretty cool we have our own magician's library that has books going back centuries and uh, it's pretty neat so we get to work with uh, world-class magicians from all over and stage close-up mentalism mind reading Know, and uh, it's a lot of fun so there's always something new
0: and guys life can be a magic too a brian it's making it happen look at what he is doing and how he is continuing to entertain and then continue also to challenge himself in so many ways brian um you already created so much a great legacy here and share so much value with us and i'm really curious in the closing hey what would you like your legacy to be i mean you're living and lead in the legacy, which is huge difference for just thinking and contemplating what are you going to leave, right? So with everyone watching, you guys know my drill, how we live it, how we lead it, and then how we leave it to the others. And what what is your goal, Brian? With everything all that you already accomplished, what would you like to be remembered by?
1: My goal, is to have those that i've been fortunate to partner with to train and to coach realize their greatest hits career and life and be able to say that brian helped inspire them to do that that would be my legacy and then have my boys say that was my dad mm. And uh, so I think that's, uh, that's my legacy. Watch the success of the people I've been able to work with grow as the result of something that I helped them with.
0: That's fantastic. That's such a great desire and achievement. You're already obviously doing a tour of that. And I cannot wait to see what's happening more and, and how we can do that even more on the global scale. And in closing, where people can find you, Brian, if they want to get in touch with you and they can see what you're up to or 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 ask for your, some of your expert advice?
1: Well, again, I'm not that smart. So I only have one social media platform that I use and that's on LinkedIn. So just look up Brian Berry, uh, coach, Lighthouse Leadership Group, I'll pop up and uh, connect with me and promise me that you're going to ask one question. You're going to ask Brian, who do you recommend I connect with? And I'll do my best to connect um, you know, talent and put that together. So LinkedIn is probably the best. My phone number, just have one. It's 310-484-6992. And my email address is brianfbarry at yahoo.com still one of the rare yahoo's out there That's how you you reach me
0: it's it's a sentimental wally i can tell it's hard to take that away right Uh, i will make sure i put all those links and people can reach with you and in closing any one word one message one sentence that you want to leave to our global audience with on legacy leader Show.